Get ready, loosen those vocals up, Tubbs. Here it comes. An Australia without rugby league is not Australia. There's McCabe Diva. A nation roars for a hero. Freeman's got work to do here. A drop for That is right, you're back with the crowd catch, myself, Zachary Gates, and uh, the Ginger Assassin, Jack Howard. How are you going, mate? Yeah, very well, thanks, Gatesy. Uh, ecstatic to be here diving in for another big week of sport. Absolutely, and Jimmy the Jet, so although the green machine went down, your beloved Red V managed to snare a win against the mighty Parramatta Eels. Yeah, I know, so it's the good thing about having two teams with fun fouls. I've got another one to fall back on. Yeah, absolutely, and boys... Uh, the elephant in the room, of course, uh, Tommy Rodonicus, the great late uh, rugby league legend from Western Suburbs Magpies and uh, the Newtown Jets, played for the Blues, first to captain the Blues, played 20 tests, I think, for the Kangaroos. Um, such a huge loss last week, as we saw over the weekend, as tribute after tribute after tribute just continued to roll out. No one had a bad word to say about him. Um, a huge loss. Yeah, mate, uh, definitely so. He sounded like a larger-than-life character and uh, it was very clear what he meant to the NRL with the uh, way the code responded and the clubs with all the minutes of silence and stuff and absolutely loved the idea to name the Origin Shield the Radonicus Beaton Shield. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all on board with that and I don't think there's too many players in rugby league who, when someone says a word, they think of this person immediately. I think forever when someone says cattle dog, Rodonicus is going to be front of everyone's minds. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously none of us were alive when uh, Tom Rodonicus was running around as the smallest bloke on the field, but the toughest bloke on the field. But um, I know my clearest memories of, of uh, Cattle Dogger, of him jumping on the footy show, the old footy show on Channel 9, and just, you know, sitting in his little bar out the back in his backyard and, um, yeah, just speaking with so much hate about Queensland and, you know, that raspy voice and, oh, he was such a character. Yeah, I think he still owes Joey Johns a, a couple of dollars in medical bills too for the stitches Joey got when he tried to follow him in the battle in that fight when he was coaching him. <laughs> uh, and, and look, it's stories like that which have been fantastic to hear uh, throughout the week. Uh, but look, it was a big week in sport. We had a Masters, we had a couple of upsets in the rugby league, a huge amount of upsets in the AFL. Boys, what caught your eyes this week? Well, um, another big event that happened over the weekend was the W League Grand Final. Um, it took place with uh, against Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory, and it was the Melbourne Victory he got up in pretty dramatic circumstances. Take a listen. You don't get drama like this too often. Final seconds. Jada Wyman under own crossbar. It's finally beaten. Kyra Cooney Cross with the X Factor has scored from a corner. 120 minutes in. The Melbourne victory are W League champions for just the second time. Yes, 19 year old victory forward Kara Cooney Cross came up with the deciding play in the 120th minute of extra time. Uh, leaping onto a corner kick and heading the ball into the goal. It was absolute scenes. You can't script that kind of stuff. And the dying stages get the winning goal. It was absolutely incredible. And well done to the victory for taking it out and stopping Sydney FC's reign on the W League. 
Yeah, talk about last-minute winner. She'll remember that for the rest of her life as well. The goalkeeper who probably wasn't positioned fantastically for that corner, Jimmy. Uh, I'll move on to a son of the gun, has caught my eye this week. It's Bruce Hewitt. He took out the under-12s Clay Court Championships. So watch Leighton Hewitt's young fella come through the ranks over the next couple of years. And it caps off what has been a very big week in the Hewitt family's household with Beck returning to the dance floor 17 years after winning the inaugural season of Dancing with the Stars. I was going for her way back when, and I'll be going for her again this season. So come on, the Hewitt family. <laughs> hey, you stole that from me, Jacko. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, it'll be interesting to see just how good um, young Cruisers come on is. But uh, as for what caught my eye, um, I'm dropping to cricket. And um, boys, I'll get your thoughts on this. The 100 League. Uh, it was supposed to get. It was supposed to start last year, but uh, because of coronavirus, is pushed back. Uh, it's not even T Twenty competition. It's um, uh, both sides have a maximum of one hundred balls each. But um, it kickstarts on the on January twenty two this year. It's basically franchise cricket, short form franchise cricket in England, and um, starting out, uh, I guess, in a push to make cricket's vocabulary a little bit more understanding, a little bit more simple, dumb it down a bit, and to, you know, uh, through that help introduce new audiences, they've decided to replace the term wickets with outs. I personally think it's ridiculous. What do you boys think? I think it's absolutely disgusting. It makes no sense. Wicket's not hard to understand, you know, and it, it leads into... It's becoming more and more trivial. The more they shorten it, the more of these weird, wacky rules they're bringing in. It's becoming becoming more of a of a game show than a sport. I think it's ridiculous. Just stick with what works, and it's already working. Yeah, I, I can't. Uh, I guess exaggerate and stress my hatred for what they're doing in <laughs> England enough. Uh, this 100 bullshit is already bad enough in itself when you think that 2020s are now one of the three codes of cricket. So it can be used as a development tool for Australian cricket and for the international acts who come here and play and play around the world. The English cricket board clearly hasn't backed their own competition and their marketing skills well enough to create a tournament to, I guess, compete with the big bats in the IPL. So they've shortened it going against all cricketing rules and creating a whole new code. And now they've done this to try and attract an American audience. Now, this is something which would probably be a little bit more understandable if Australia did this or, or, or this country did this. But let's not forget that cricket is one of the most traditional games and that whole traditionalist thing has been led by the bloody English and they're the ones who are tweaking all this just to try and market a brand because they're not game enough to take on the Australian or Indian series. I think it's pathetic by the English cricket board. And I think they should go and have a real hard look at themselves in a the mirror. Well, look, the PC, the politically correct softies had already come out and said, oh, you know, you shouldn't be calling them batsmen. They should be a batter, even in male cricket. Um, shouldn't be using the term Chinaman for, of course, uh, left arm wrist spin because apparently it's racist. I don't think so. Now, this is another example of that. But, um, you know, by the day, cricket's getting more and more uh, closer to baseball by the by the sounds of things. But, boys, before we all blow our tops off, uh, how about we move on? And I uh, believe we're jumping into the AFL segment, boys. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Let's chat some <laughs> AFL. 
Yeah, we're going, we're going straight off script here, Gates. I thought we were going into red light, green light, but we oh. know how much you love your fastball. <laughs> so we can, we can definitely sort of straight ahead into that if you want. <laughs> yeah, rightio. Well, you boys have the share in your hands. Time to uh, cut it into the turf. Let me get the stopwatch up, mate. Um, I was chomping at the bit. Yeah, mate. Uh, it must have been a big round of AFL, <laughs> that, that's for sure. Well, I've got a stopwatch, Jimmy. Do you have a question ready, mate? <laughs> I do. I've got a question. I've got a few ready to go. Are you ready, though, Gates? I'm ready to rock and roll, mate. All righty, Gates. Sorry that I went off scripts there, but uh, all good. Let's plough on. Well, here you go, mate. A bit of controversy around Jared Harbrow's bump. Tell us about it. Yeah, there was. So obviously, he laid a bump on uh, Carlton's Michael Gibbons on the weekend. But uh, it turns out that despite, um, you know, despite being pretty eye-popping, despite... Um, clearly being in the wrong. It wasn't even reported by the umpires and it seemingly wasn't even, um, uh, I guess, factored by the match review officer, Michael Christian, uh, in his findings. Um, we found out after, once his findings were released on Sunday. Um, I mean, the AFL has come out and, and claimed that they're getting serious about head injuries. And look, um, on one hand, you've got to say they are because of uh, certain new rules they've introduced for this season. But then on the other hand, Jared Harbrow's uh, incident, in my eyes, was intentional. It was medium impact and it was high. And that warrants two matches. But the umpires didn't even report it to the MRO, the, the match um, review officer. So I think that's outstand, um, out, um, astounding. And especially when you compare it, especially when you consider the inconsistencies, because Zach Williams from, um, from Carlton, he was uh, slapped with a one-game ban for, um, for a high bump in the preseason competition. And that wasn't, even, that wasn't even as bad. It wasn't quite as bad as Harbrow's. Um, that, was, that was rated careless, medium and high, which gave him one week. So he missed round one. Jared Harbrow's was worst, was worse, and it wasn't even reported. Mate, uh, if, we, if we move on from bumps to woes, Collingwood season, uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, well, it's, uh, they're obviously not going too well. They're one and three after four rounds, and that's about to become one and four because this week they play West Coast over at Optus Stadium. Uh, I don't think they're going to win that. And um, you can't help but think back to the trade period last year where they had, they had a fire sale um, and a fire sale that I think has come back to bite them on the backside because they got rid of two players who... Yeah, I mean, Collingwood, you know, presumably are still in a premiership window and um, two players who you'd, you'd think, you know, all the experts think should be um, key players in that premiership window in Jaden Stevenson and Adam Trelaw were shipped off. Of course, Trelaw went to the Dogs and um, Stevenson went to the Kangaroos and they've both had uh, pretty solid years, particularly Trelaw, pretty solid starts to the 2021 season. Um, I mean, you know, there are also reports of unrest uh, play on rest towards Nathan Buckley at Collingwood at the moment. Um, and, you know, a lot of that probably stems from two really solid players getting given the boot late last year in the trade period. Another big match this week, uh, Carlton coming up against a uh, red-hot port side. Um, are they any chance of getting the win? Oh, you know, if you're, if, if you're an optimistic Carlton fan, possibly. Um, look, it's... Why, um, why I suggest we look ahead to this game, boys, because Carlton has obviously been down for a long time, but they're not a minnow anymore. For you know, two, two or so years now, they haven't been a minnow. They're, they're in the same boat as what St Kilda were, I think, in 2019. 
2019, St Kilda were 14th, and last year they had a breakthrough year and finished sixth, and now presumably they're, they're trying hard to become a contender. Carlton's in that boat. Um, they're in the middle of the pack. They're trying to make the top eight and then push for contention. Uh, this is a litmus test for them, of course. Port Adelaide are the reigning mine premiers. They had a good win on the weekend against the premiers in uh, Richmond. Uh, big test coming up for Carlton. Uh, mate, Joe Denio facing his former club, Essendon. Uh, how do you see that one panning out? Yeah, it, uh, it'll be exciting. I'll have my eyes locked on the box, that's for sure. Um, of course, the first time Joe Danaher will come up against his former club. Uh, we saw how Collingwood treated, um, you know, Collingwood's approach to Adam Trelaw when uh, those two sides came up against each other in round one. They, um, Collingwood's players caught a bit of flack for being a bit friendly. I don't think we're going to see the same uh, from the Bombers players against Joe Danaher because he, um, Essendon really wanted him to stay. His teammates, no doubt, wanted him to stay. And um, he was a restricted free agent. And then... There you go, Zachary. Well, it becomes pretty clear uh, to me, Gatesy, that you, you rushed in the fast ball this week just to uh, let off some steam about Jared Hargrove's bump. It sounds like you've been, uh, been built up tension all week. Oh, well, you know, all the big footy shows have been covering that as well. It was it was pretty outrageous. The, the fact that, you know, one thing is that he didn't get any game time, not even a suspension. And then, of course, the main problem is that he wasn't even cited. So it just went completely unlooked at by the sounds of things. We might try and wind you straight back up <laughs> and get on to this next thing we like to call red light, green light. What a banger. I'll never get tired of hearing that song. <laughs> Great memories of that song, especially a shout-out to Spilt Milk 2016. <laughs> Great times. But away from music festivals, keeping it on sport, um, we've got some hot topics to discuss, um, get some tension out in the air. Gates is already fired up. Let's see how he goes at this one. I'll kick us off, boys. Oh. Uh, you, you look real excited to go, Joe. I'll let you go. Thanks, Jack's jumping out of his skin. Well, I know I've got one co-host fired up, so I'm going to fire another one up. The Panthers' behaviour. Um, <laughs> I'm already some, fired up. Some people love it at the moment. Uh, obviously, they're, what, 5-0 now. Uh, I've only lost one game last. I don't have that many toes and, uh, and fingers that count anymore, but they're on a pretty uh, red-hot streak. Uh, people say, look, if, if it's doing the job, let them do it. Uh, a lot of people are on the other side of, of the fence saying, you know, they're, they, they're cocky. They're arrogant. Uh, of course, a lot of criticism came when um, they, I, I guess, dragged Joe to Pine, uh, Tarpany, I should say, uh, into the mix when he was uh, just on the sideline, just, you know, chilling out when they scored that try. Jimmy, you're a Raiders fan. What do you make of this Panthers' behaviour? Is it a red light or is it a green light? It's a red light, mate. I, I think they're definitely getting too cocky. I think they're getting a big bit big for their boots. Um, it was a fiery match, and you know I'm all for that. I'm all for big hits, a little bit of scuffles on the field. But Tappany was just standing there trying to go on, and Crichton's grabbed him, pulled him in, and caused a scuffle. You know, there's there's no need for that. That's just a bit out of out of character. I think that's not really in the spirit of the game, especially just a bystander getting pulled into something like that. And then, of course, like there's everything else that they're quite a young team. I think Appy Coruscant is the oldest in the team and he's 28. So they're a very young team and, you know, they're getting very cocky. It looks like they're getting cocky and I'm sure, you know, 
on the inside, they think they're on, untouchable and they are in a lot of respects. But, you know, I think they need a dose of reality. An incredible stat came out this week that um, if you add up all the players on every team, the Panthers have the least amount of premiership games under their belt of all 16 rosters. That's just how young a team they are. That's an incredible stat. I was thinking of how I'm going to get it in. That's how I get it in, just to back up those statements. That came from the wide world of sports, of course. So it'd be interesting to hear what their journey has to say about the Panthers. Yeah, um, well, Coleman uh, slaps the Panthers with a red light and I'm going to deliver them a green light. Um, I mean... You know, yeah. On one hand, you can you can look at them and say, you know, they're being a bit conf- they're being a bit too confident. Uh, you know, say they're five rounds into the season, they're being a bit arrogant. Um, but I I love I love to see that. And how I see it, I look at the Panthers and I just see them as um, you know a very young squad. Um, you know, the likes of Charlie Staines and Jerome Luai. He's such a lovable bloke from what I've been able to pick up on. Um, Brian Tuttle, Stephen Crichton, you know, Nathan Cleary, Matt Burton is going to the bog to the dogs next year. Um, I look at the Panthers and, and I just see this young team that's playing, you know, although, although they're having a lot of success, it, to me it just looks like they're having a lot of fun out there. And, um, and you know, on the back of that is coming you know, a fair bit of flair and confidence and, and a bit of brushness. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with is that. It, and, is it and, flair and, and, and confidence to go and tackle a player when he's standing on the sidelines waiting to come on? Is that confidence or is that just being a dickhead? Look, they're not robots. They're not robots. And, yeah, um, they're not boxes you know, either. I'm sure this stuff happens all the time over in American sport, particularly in, in the NBA. Um, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not robots. When they come just out... just that out of your ass. Have you ever seen <laughs> that in the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, look. Ever seen a fight in the NBA? Sports personalities are a bit more, more colourful over in the NBA. <laughs> I'll tell you where it does happen, between Australia and the Philippines in the basketball. That, that's where it probably yeah. happened once upon a time. Well, they take it to a whole new level. Uh, look, uh, I agree with both of you. Uh, I love the arrogance, and I think um, if it's winning, uh, why not? And if, if there's anyone who deserves to be arrogant, it's this young Panthers team that's winning. But I would like to finish that by saying as long as it's not hurting anybody. But the scenes with um, the Raiders on the weekend and that situation we just spoke about, that is too far, and that is crossing a line. And... They won't get fans doing that. Uh, you know, the, the Penrith fans may like that, but they won't get the respect from the rest of the NRL. And till that moment, they've been attracting so much respect for how they play their football, how they go about their business. So I, I, I agree with both of you. So I guess I'm going to be an orange light. Bring on the cocky behaviour, but get that shit out of your game. Jack loves an orange light, that bloke. Um, he loves <laughs> he his looks like one. <laughs> but um, of course, it wasn't the only dramatic um, storyline coming out of that match. The other was, you know, had uh, uh, reminded us, reignited, I guess, shades of Michael Ennis uh, after that final in 2016. <laughs> so, <laughs> mate, I've been uh, jumping out of my skin to ask you this all week. What, what were you? Surely you were sitting there seething, foaming at the mouth when Panthers fans started to make a mockery of the Viking clap. I don't mind it. I think they're just jealous. <laughs> I what, think jealous, they're just jealous, jealous of the soccer team. <laughs> jealous, jealous. They don't have their own cool thing. They've got to, they got to rely on on fighting players on the sidelines to have a thing. Is that what your mum used to say when you come home in tears because people were giving you shit about your haircut <laughs> at school? <laughs> they were jealous as well. 
I, I, I loved it, <laughs> it Gates. I'm sure you did as well. And look, the Raiders fans, if they're going to do it before every game, they have to expect people to turn around and give it to them. Yeah, yeah. No, no disrespect in it whatsoever. Like, on two fronts, it's not as though it's particularly traditional. The Raiders have been doing it for about, what, three or four years? And uh, they, didn't even, they didn't even introduce it. They stole it from a, from they stole a soccer from team. They the so. Iceland soccer team in the Euros last time. So exactly. Be... So it's not, it's not exactly disrespectful and it gives everyone a laugh. And, and of, course, of course, our tips Raiders fans over the edge. Oh, speaking of which, over the edge, Jimmy's about to fall off his chair. <laughs> was that your red light, green light, Gatsy, or is that just a way no, no, of pushing his buttons? <laughs> I, was, I was just pushing some buttons there. But, boys, um, staying on the topic of rug, rugby league, and uh, my red light, green light is uh, should Anthony Milford have been dropped for the Broncos' round six game this week? Yeah, look, the reason I was on the orange light last time is before I could absolutely accelerate through this green light, mate, because it is, well, that didn't really make sense, but this <laughs> next thing really, it's the biggest green light for me. Um, something's got to change. I think if you take out their spine, they're quite a good football team. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, Tom Dearden's obviously probably the half that, uh, you know, you give a little bit more time, which means that there's only one thing left to do, and that. And that's the farewell Milford. And I think, unfortunately, for the Milf, uh, he was such a great fullback in his earlier days, but he's just put too much weight on to, to play in the front line of defence to slot back into that position. He's the type of guy who will have to go and lose a lot of weight and refine that speed to do that. So he I think this is worrying times. But yeah, he's not, the, he's not the young, slick Milford that was tearing it up for the Raiders at fullback. And, uh, without his speed, I don't think he can fit back into a one jersey. And I, I, I think you've got to do something in your half. So I think it's a huge green light. Yeah, it's a massive green light for me too. I think they should have dropped him a while ago. He's on a massive pay packet there as well. He's taking up a big chunk of their salary cap. So I think they should drop him all together and rebuild their team a bit. But um, I think we saw the best of Milford in 2015, I think it was, when he was partnering Ben Hunt. And... In that instance, Ben Hunt had the reins of the team. Ben Hunt was doing the steering. He was doing the play managing. He was calling the shots. And then Milford was just playing eyes up footy. But the way their team is at the moment, Milford has the reins. Milford is their head honcho in the halves. They've got Brody Croft there. Um, they've got young Tom Dearden, who, you know, he's still coming up. And they're looking for Milford to be that man in charge. But he's just not that type of player. Milford needs an experienced halfback to take the pressure off him to guide the team around, call the plays, and then just give it to Milford to play what he sees and back his instincts. But that's not the way their team is set up at the moment. So if they want to stick with Milford, they need to find an answer to that. Otherwise, give Milford the flick. So it's, it's a red light for me. I think Anthony Milford, yes, he's on a big pay packet, but um, you know, of course the, the Broncos agreed to that pay packet. And um, I, I think he's hard done by it. And uh, I'd like to tout the same, flout the same view as you, Cameron. I mean, he's, um, as you said, he had a brilliant year in 2015 when he was playing ad-lib footy and, um, and floating around the ruck and uh, being dangerous and, and looking, to, you know, looking for second and third phase play. And now he's expected to be the orchestrator. And as you say, he's not, he's not that type of player. I, I, don't, I don't think it should fall back on him. I think you should, try, you should say, go out there, play your backyard footy, play, play your touch footy. Um, blitz them with your speed and, and, and your instincts. And Tom Dearden, I think, is the Broncos' answer for the next 10 years at halfback. 
he's so highly touted and he was really good in his junior days. I think you've just got to put a lot of time into Tom Dearden to, to become that next Ben Hunt, okay, or, or that, that next Cooper Cronk, someone who, who steers the ship. But okay, with that attitude, you're basically just riding them off for the remainder of the season. There's still 15 rounds to go and what you're saying. They've got to win now. They can't just rely on Tom Dearden to get his... Get his bearings in the NRL for a couple of years. They need to they, win now. They need bums to come through and get them on the seats at Suncorp. The the pay the the, the bloody big bill that Milford's demanding. Yeah. I, I agree, with Jim. They've got to change something. The other thing I'll pull you up on there is you, you spoke about you know what he was doing in 2015 playing Adelaide footy, but when I brought up his physique, even you admitted he's looking chubby. He, he's not the same young light bloke on his feet he was then that can just split the fence in half. He's He's a fair bit slower off the mark. I'd love to see the stats of the beat test and the sprint test from the preseason in 15 to now, but I, I, I think physically he's not that player anymore. You say it's a change-up in dropping Milford, but how much of a change-up really is it when you're just bringing in Brody Croft? I mean, they, they, they started the season with Anthony Milford at 5'8 and uh, Brody Croft at halfback, and then after, what, three games it was, they axed Croft, brought in Dearden, and now they're just flipping it around and dropping Milford and bringing in Croft. It's, um, aren't they just going back to square one? They're trying something new because it obviously isn't working. You've got to keep trying stuff. Right, look, we, if there's blokes like Sam Walker who until last week were playing in uh, you know, the, the division below, I'd be looking at every half, young half in the country because there must be some more gems who could do a better job than all three names mentioned there. But look, boys, we'll be here all night discussing how we fixed the... Uh, Broncos, I think the long story short is we probably won't come to an answer. It's a pretty tough job that Kevy's taken on, but we do have one more red light, green light to finish us off. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've got to move from the Broncos to the Sharkies. <laughs> <laughs> from one sinking ship to another. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that is sort of the red light, green light. Uh, the Sharkies obviously ditched John Morris uh, this week. Um, so what do you reckon, boys? Red light, green light. Have they ruined their chances of playing finals football by ditching him mid-season? Uh, ruining chances? I'll keep it short and say yes. I think this is going to be a huge, huge disruption. I think of a guy who had started to get a fair bit out of the team, plus two finals campaigns uh, with the club. So uh, it, it's very similar to what Gould did a couple of years ago with the Panthers by uh, outing Griffin just before finals. I, I don't understand the need for it. Uh, I think this is a club that was already going to struggle to make the eight. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a big green light, uh, or probably red light, I should say, that yes, they won't make finals off the back of this decision. Yeah, I, I think it's a huge disruption. And um, yeah, I don't think they're going to make the finals either. So it's a, it's a red light for me. Um, I think they've done the wrong thing. John Morris had been doing pretty well. I mean, in his first season, he that was last year, wasn't it? He took the Sharks to the top eight. They, they finished eighth. Um, I know they're comprehensively beaten in their elimination final, but he took them to the finals, a, a, a squad that wasn't particularly talented. And um, yeah, took them this, to the finals in 2019 as well. 2019 was it? Okay. And 2020, back to back years under John Morris. Yeah, yeah. And you know they'd had a pretty decent start to this year um, in terms of their win loss ratio. And on the weekend, of course, they had a what was it, an 18-4 lead over the Roosters, um, one of the premiership heavyweights. Then they coughed it up, um, let Sam Walker just absolutely destroy them. But, um, you know, they'd been doing all right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with John Morris as a coach. And, uh, of course, another part to it is that um, 
there was there have been reports floating around that if John Morris was axed, um, and of course he has been axed now, that there's going to be a player walkout. And you saw, I, I saw um, Sunday night with Matty Johns on the weekend. Sean Johnson was on there, and they peppered him with questions about the John Morris saga, and he just had glowing words from from him. He said that since since crossing from uh, the Warriors to the Sharks, he had brought out the best in his game. All the players love him. He's a good coach. If the Sharks drop him, no worries at all. He'll pick up another head coaching gig somewhere else in the NRL. Had so much praise for him. And so I get the sense that the players love him and the board have made this decision. That's one of the things I hate about rugby league at the moment. The board has more power than the football team. Because this is obviously the board's decision to let Sean Morris go mid-season. The players want him to stay. And it might be it might be a good decision long term. Craig Fitzgibbon could be a good coach, um, and uh, you know it could work for them long term. But letting John Morris go mid season is the board's decision. It's not the players. They don't get a say in it. Now they have to play the rest of the season with the Nintram coach and um, Josh Hannay, um, and you know that's just going to disrupt all their all their preparations. You know it's going to throw their team out of whack. Like you said, the players aren't going to be happy with it. Um, but the staff around the, the coaching that um, John Morris has brought in, they're not going to be happy with it because Fitzgibbon could come in and give them all the sack next year. Now they don't know what they're going to do. It's just completely disrupted the club. It's the board's fault. If anything, they just just let Josh, um, John Morris just play out the rest of the year. But, yeah, I think they've, they've cooked their chances of playing finals. Even if they were a long odds, they're, they're not playing now, I reckon, and, it's, it's an absolute shit show. It's not all bad news for the Sharks because they play the Knights at uh, Newcastle this weekend where the Knights have been bloody woeful all season. So <laughs> I think there's still a very good chance of picking up the win this week. So uh, not all bad news for the Sharkies fans. Boys, before we move on, I've got one more quick red light, green light, mainly for you, Jimmy. Gates's beard he's rocking. Red light, green light. <laughs> <laughs> Big green light. How about it? For anyone who can't see at home, Gatesy basically looks like Chris Hemsworth right now. <laughs> Gatesy, mate, this must be the longest you've ever had it. Yeah, yeah, or around about this length. I, I don't think it's ever been longer than this. But I'll tell you what, before jumping on this podcast, I was actually thinking to myself, tomorrow I think I might uh, pull out the shaver and whack it off because it's getting a bit itchy. I've been itching myself like a chimpanzee. Well, there, <laughs> there you go. We have a, a red light and a green light to finish the segment. Righto, on to something a little bit more lighthearted. Let's have a go at it. What's my sport? What's my sport? All right, by now you guys know the rules. We play a little snippet and you guys uh, at home along with the other hosts got to try and guess what it is. Boys, I've been waiting all week for this. Uh, So without further ado, fellas, what's my sport? Was that you, mate? Were you, are you secretly playing sport on the weekend now? Oh, oh look, I, <laughs> I dabble in a couple of different sports here. <laughs> <laughs> the ginger assassin, I only know of one. Who's this imposter? <laughs> any, any guesses? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. You go first, Gates, because I reckon I've got a good idea of what it is. Hey, I'll tell you what, it was a pretty high-octane sport, wasn't it? Oh, mate. Mate, it was a ginger assassin doing uh, something that hadn't, I'll give you a hint, hadn't 
happened on uh, live television in over 30 years. Look, that audio brings back memories of that video we put on social media last year of the ginger assassin diving for a, what was it, a frisbee or something like that? And <laughs> out feet. Anyway. A little bit of holler back now. <laughs> um, as, as for this sport, I will go dodgeball. Dodgeball. No. Jimmy. If I were to hazard a guess, would it be Anthony Newer getting a split in 10-pin bowling? The seven ten was. <laughs> oh my it god! <laughs> for those for those playing at home, Jimmy must have seen it. Uh, but for those playing at home, uh, he got the famous split, the seven and ten pin, which are the, uh, the the two back pins, the right and the left. It's something that has only been done four times on live television. The last one more than twenty years ago. One of the rarest feats in any sport uh, to actually get the split. Uh, an incredible effort, and Jimmy. Uh, I'm glad you got that because we actually both worked at a temping bowling alley at uni. So I thought the 710 may have, you know, tipped you off, but it sounds like you've actually seen the video. Yeah, look, if we're talking about our performances at, at, uh, at the bowling when we were working there, it'd be pretty bad reviews, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> seen a few ginger assassins on the bowling lane. Maybe that's where you got it from, practising. <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll keep us rolling. On to the next one, ready boys? What's my sport? Oh wow! Edwin Apape showing that clean pair of heels and bringing this stadium onto its feet. Ooh, sounded a little bit English right at the end there. I'll go first and say lacrosse. It's not lacrosse. No one out there. Stadium right onto its feet. It sounded a bit English at the end there. Um, my problem with my guess is I dare say it's not English commentators, but probably a thicker accent. But I'm going to go Gaelic football. Unfortunately, you're wrong. It is rugby league. <laughs> it's Papua New Guinea taking on Great Britain in the World Cup. Well, Papua New Guinea got the win. Um, yeah, I thought thought that one might trick you boys, being a rugby league. It's a bit of an obvious one, but a tricky one at the same time. Well, yeah, we don't like to be too obvious on this podcast, do we? We, <laughs> we don't we don't give away freebies. Yeah, come on, Jimmy, mate. Stick to the rule book. Obscure sports, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> that was obscure, mate. No, it's no ginger assassin, but alrighty, fellas, I'll round us out. Okay, what's my sport? It's tough. Oh, and there's one of the athletes uh, getting his heel caught and the shoe is off the Turkish athlete. And that is uh, very unfortunate indeed. It's one of those incidents that can happen. So they definitely wear shoes. It's not a, it's not a barefoot sport. It's not, it's not beach volleyball. Yeah, I was going to go with beach volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> not nippers. What, what was the ethnicity of the athlete that lost the shoe? Turkish. Turkish. Turkish athlete. And it was a shoe. Yeah. Um, I think it might be some sort of track event. I'm going to say, can I say running? Is that too vague? No, you can, you can lock that in. Jack, mm-hmm. what's your stab in the dark, mate? Um, oh, it's, you've, you, you've put me on the spot. I'm trying to think of a <laughs> thing where you may lose a shoe. Um, plenty of sports you may lose a shoe in, to be fair. Turkish athlete, um, I'm going to go Taekwondo. 
No, it's not Taekwondo. Coma was close. It was actually the men's race walk, 20-kilometer race walk at the 2016 <laughs> Rio Olympics. <laughs> oh, should have said walk and not running. Yep. I was you pretty were, close. You were in the fast lane, but you should have been in the slow lane. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm not too disappointed with that. It really is the gift that keeps on giving the old what's my sport category from Jimmy, <laughs> you singing at the start uh, to race walkers. And uh, I feel as if I need to say to our audience, that's not very obscure for Gatesy because Gatesy follows the race walking. <laughs> I don't follow the race walking. <laughs> oh, come on, mate. No, we don't lie on this podcast. I, I, follow, I, follow, I follow running. I follow, yes, I follow long distance running and middle distance running, but not walking, no. Zachary, you seem to forget that we were roommates during the 2016 Rio Olympics. So we'll just we'll leave it at that, <laughs> but we will move on. <laughs> um, boys, big uh, couple of games in the NRL this week, but we thought we'd um, pick out our what is easily the biggest game, which is Friday night football, the Storm against the Roosters, and get a tip. Which way are you guys leaning? Yeah, look, well, for me... Um, I'm tipping the Melbourne Storm in this one. Um, it's, it's always an absolutely cracker of a match, an absolute cracker. Um, they've been the two benchmark teams for, you know, for quite a while. Um, you know, grand final last year, uh, not last year, grand final plenty of years before. Um, so, look, it's going to be a great clash. I'm tipping the Storm. I think um, their team's a bit more settled at the moment. <clears throat> the Roosters are obviously down to, I think, their fifth string hooker. Um, they're pretty ravaged with injuries at the moment, but there's plenty of quality. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the matchup between Pappenhausen and James Tedesco, two form fullbacks of the competition at the moment and um, probably both fighting for one jersey in the New South Wales team. So it's, that's going to be a great battle to see and it's going to be a brilliant match either way, I reckon. Yeah, no, mate, I'm going to um, copy your tip there. I mean, you know, the Roosters no doubt would be really buoyed and uh, really encouraged by what they saw in Sam Walker over the last 12 minutes of that comeback game against the Sharks. It was absolutely brilliant. That was a breakthrough performance. Michael Ennis said on Fox League after the game that this is a historic moment in the game because we're seeing someone with so much um, with so much potential arrive on the scene as a superstar in the making. That's what he is now. He was incredible over the last 12 minutes of that game. But um, nonetheless, I'm going to go with Melbourne Storm. Um, I think they'll have uh, too many points in them. Of course, they racked up 52 points against the Bulldogs on the weekend. That doesn't mean much uh, against <laughs> Canterbury. But uh, I think they'll have too much, too many points in them with, with the weapons they have. The Pappenhausens and the Addo's, Addo Carr and Munster and the list goes on. It wouldn't be sports talk about you listing the Melbourne Storm squad, Yeah, I think mate, you do it every podcast. Mate, I got, I, got, I, got, I got to three plays and I said, that's enough because you got roasted for doing that last year. <laughs> if you don't know the Storm team, just listen to any other podcast and Gates will, Gates will let you know. Yeah, well, look, I'll go against you guys. I, I think the, uh, the Roosters can do it. I think the Storm have only played, you know, a handful of tough games to start their season. They've, uh, you know, had a fair few of the bottom dwellers first up. Obviously, uh, Tedesco versus Pappenhausen was the first thing on my uh, sheet to talk about, but I'll go to the next one, which is a lot of the time, uh, two of the best coaches in the competition are often perceived to being uh, Bellamy and Robinson, and I think this will be a great display of the two master coaches, uh, how one coach seeks to exploit the young halves in defence, particularly Walker, 
and how Bellamy is going to try and get him one-on-one and run traffic through him, which we saw the Sharks do quite well in the first half. And, and this is the type of thing where Bellamy really earns his, uh, his paycheck, is uh, finding out different ways to um, get the young bloke one-on-one with a bigger man. And then on the flip side, what, what is Robinson going to try and do to protect his young half? And, and uh, you know, how is he going to get that defence to make sure that that doesn't happen? I think that's going to be a very intriguing thing to see how it pans out. Look, I'll go against you guys just because um, I'm not the biggest Melbourne Storm fan and um, I'll go with the Roosters. I think the home ground advantage is, um, is a big boost for the Melbourne Storm. Um, they've been packing out their stadiums this year after obviously not any games last year. So, um, yeah, I think that's really going to play well in their favour. So, well, from uh, one good matchup to another one, though, boys, Gatesy, hit the button. <laughs> That's right, mate. The rivalry in trivia is brewing. It is off the charts. I'll tell you what. Uh, Jacko, mate, do you want to give us a score update? Yeah, mate. I'm, I'm holding it out. Jimmy, do you want to read it, mate? <laughs> so I think that says, Gatesy, you're on four, I'm on five, and Jack on five. <laughs> oh, mate, you must have read that. Come on, come on. Nah, so I, me and Gates on four, Jack on five. Still very tight running at the moment. Or walking. Or walking. Yeah. No, it sure sure is. Jimmy, how about you? Get us kick-started, mate. All righty, boys. I'll fire us off a little bit of have you been paying attention? Who retained the Universal Championship at WrestleMania this week? (laughs) Mate. (laughs) We had Dave Batista on last week. Of WrestleMania 37. Found I actually wrote an article for Big fan of the podcast. Because an Australian girl won something, didn't she? Yeah. Rhea games. Ripley. The, mm. the blonde bomber, they call her. Give her a follow on Insta. <laughs> um, that wasn't wrestling, though. Yeah, it was. That was, that was boxing. Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I couldn't tell. I remember, I want to say Roman Reigns, but I got a feeling he was at the top like four years ago. Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to. Last time I checked, Roman Reigns was at the top. Well, Jack, you have pulled an absolute corker out your ass. It's Roman Reigns. Yes. <laughs> you beauty. He'll only be at the top until John Cena comes back, that's for sure. <laughs> or Dave Batista, who we know is a big fan of the crowd catch. Or the Undertaker. <laughs> Rightio, next question. So, the Olympics are just around the corner. Obviously delayed a year because of COVID. Can you remember what the three new sports being introduced this Olympics are? We have to say all three. Yeah, I know. I know one for sure. You go first, Gatesy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mate. You love your piggybacks. I know. I'll, I'll say I'm going to be a good sport here, Jack. Even though I'm going to give you one, I'm happy to. Yeah. I'm going to say the only one I know, and that's break dancing. Oh, yes, I've got two then. <laughs> What's the third? Feel free to give me one of your points if uh, if you snare this one, mate. No, nah, look, uh, skateboarding's one. Jimmy's going to have to help us out here. Well, look, uh, Gatesy, breakdancing isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's coming in the 2024 Olympic Games, not the upcoming Olympic Games. Right. Three Dirty sports. tactics there. You tried to fix me. Throwing Jack off the trail. <laughs> Unintentionally. <laughs> right. No, the three sports coming in the upcoming Olympics. 
Skateboarding, surfing, and sport climbing. Sport climbing? Yes. What the heck does that entail? Climbing up like rock climbing, but quickly. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm actually interested in watching that. As long after as you, after you watch the walk. Yeah, don't, don't, don't want to miss the Turkish walker losing his shoe. Oh dear. Right, yeah, I'll go next. Just <laughs> my head's not in it after that, so I'll, um, I'll pick up the cards. Uh, we had a bit of a step in bowling earlier in the show, so I thought I'd throw in a question. How many strikes in a row do you need to record a perfect score of 300 in 10 pin bowling? Carmen. So how many strikes in a row? 13? No. Oh, Carmen, I thought you used to work at a 10 pin bowling alley, big fella. Keep an eye on his face, Gatesy, because I reckon he's going to redo the math in a second and work out the answer. Gates, how many? Um, It's 11, isn't it? No. Uh, it's twelve, so obviously oh. it's one. There's ten front. Uh, there's ten rounds. So obviously you get nine in the first nine rounds, and then if you get three in the tenth frame, which would make it twelve. So my ma- I, I I thought there was ten frames initially, and then the three. The three, yeah. So I, no, that's where 12. I went wrong. That's where I went wrong. It's the twelve. I even confused myself trying to answer it. But yeah, <laughs> so you get the first nine rounds, and then the the tenth, you get the the turkey that finish. Um, so there we go. Uh, we'll go on to the next one. Um, I'm really intrigued to see if you guys know this one. I'm going to be honest. I only learned on the weekend. Right. What are the two types of corners in hockey? Left and right. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. But no, the two <laughs> types of corners that you can be given. I'll go first. I'll say one is for looking for the names. Oh, the names. Oh, I thought you wanted the descriptions. Give you a deal. If you can describe them, I okay. might give it so, to you. so I'm pretty sure one is just like the football one or the soccer one where the opposition team um, hits the ball out um, on either side between the goal post and the corner post. So that's one, one description. And I'll say the other one is where... I'll say the other one is where... Um, you gotta, you got to put a timer on him here, Jack. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the other one is. <laughs> Jimmy, quick start. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that one, like the corner one, same as soccer, where like, you know, that one on KTZ. And there's another one where like they all sort of line, huddle up in front of the goal and sort of fire it back and then... And then shoot it. <laughs> You're laughing like it makes me feel like I'm wrong, but I'm fairly sure that's one. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know how I get it now, though. Do I, do I, it's very poorly described two types of corners. The, two, <laughs> the answer I was looking for is a long corner and a short corner. <laughs> <laughs> if those well, are I, described, I described a long and short corner. If well, those at I, home are wondering what the two different types <laughs> are, well, the long corner is something what Gatesy was describing. The short corner is kind of what Coleman was describing. That's what I have in my head. I described it badly. I can see it playing out in my head because there were these set plays and stuff from a short corner. Look, there's only two options. I either give you both a point, but then you're a point closer to the main, so instead I'm going to give neither of you a point. Oh, (laughs) but I'm technically correct. No, you didn't give the name, though. You just gave a description. Yeah, but he said he'd allow us to describe them, and I did just that. Look, they were both very sloppy descriptions. 
I described it perfectly. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. Wow, Jack's really flexing power there. That, Look, <laughs> that is a power trip and a half. Look, oh. we might have to introduce the bunker to... um. <laughs> Oh, wow. You can't, but you had no idea. <laughs> no, I did. I, I know exact. I didn't know their names, but I know what happens. I've watched hockey before. It sounded I've like seen it in the Olympics. Olympics. Oh. <laughs> all right, Gates, he finished. Okay, George boys. Burgess all over again. Boys, question one. Who is Paul Gallon's next opponent in boxing? Oh. Oh. Can I tell you where it's happening? <laughs> it's at Wind Stadium, I know that. You'll be there with a ticket, I'm sure, Caleb. But who is he facing? No, look, it, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's... I saw them hype it up during the zoo fight. And to be honest, my opinion at the time was I could not care less. And <laughs> I wish I didn't have that opinion now. Can I tell you the last name? Yeah, that'll do. Well, not you. No, you need <laughs> the full name. No, if you've got the last name, fair enough. He's identified the person. I know the last name. It's Brown. Yes. That's a bit slack, isn't it? Surely you got to give up. <laughs> I reckon that's fair. You've identified the person. Do you know his nickname? Brownie. <laughs> his, his nickname is Big Daddy. I'm sure he's been called Brownie before in his life. That that would be a nickname he has. Lucas yeah, Big he's Daddy. He's probably still trying to live that um, moment down in year two and they're calling <laughs> Brownie. Who knows? Lucas Brown. Is what you were looking for? Lucas Brown. Yes, I think you've got to give him that. I'll give you that point in controversial circumstances, mate. And uh, we all know what the DRS is in cricket, okay? What does DRS stand for in Formula One? Driver review system. No. <laughs> that would have been my guess. <laughs> um, it's got to be driver. Driver, driver, rear steering. No, it's actually, it's got nothing to do with reviewing. It doesn't start with driver, it's drag reduction system. So it basically, it is a system where a car behind is able to pass, in layman's terms, is able to pass one car ahead if they're within one second and uh, they put they push a button and their car becomes... Um, becomes faster in straight line speed uh, that's that's what it's all about so it's like a poor man's nos <laughs> what's that mate uh, look, mate after the descriptions we've just had I'll, I'll leave Joss for another day uh, look we, we've got to move on to the uh, the three things I'll go first um, sure thing my sure thing this week actually just quickly I owe another five to the kid the Tigers didn't win so I'll chuck five in there. But this week, this will happen. Marnus to score a ton in the Sheffield Shield final. The Sheffield Shield against New South Wales and Queensland gets underway on Thursday. Marnus will come face-to-face with the majority of his Australian teammates who he's been playing with the Nets for the last couple of years. He's been in incredible form. He's tonning up in that final. Lock it in. Pressure cooker, Zachary Gates' AFL tipping. Um, <laughs> I got invited to join the Prime 7 AFL tipping competition. I wasn't going to, but there was a prize for first place. So I thought, hey, let's get the crowd catch AFL guru to help us out. And um, I'm not going to water down the brilliance of this podcast by saying how poorly our guru is going. I will just say that I'm not getting that 
money at the end of the year. So Gatesy. Oh, come on, mate. So, so, <laughs> how many did you get last week? Oh, I know I got a handful wrong, but who saw, <laughs> who, who saw, for instance, the Giants beating, considering their injuries, saw them beating Collingwood? Not you. So we go to the last one, one to watch. Latrell Mitchell, he's still currently uh, top of the Daly M system next to Ryan Pappenhausen. The Pappenhausen, the Tedesco show with the first five rounds, Latrell has flown under the radar. If he continues the build this way, I think he'll really be one of the players uh, of the year and uh, potentially uh, have some pretty big saves on who wins this competition. So I think he's flown under the radar just quietly, uh, but Latrell Mitchell's my athlete to watch. Yeah, he's in for a big year. I think um, a lot of people can agree on that one. Uh, my sure bet, I'm also chucking $5 in the kitty yet again. <laughs> the green machine not getting up against the Panthers last week. Um, this year, I'm keeping it 50-50 again. We talked about it before. I'm going to Storm to beat the Roosters. Uh, pressure cooker, I've got both the Cowboys and the Bulldogs. They're playing each other this week in the last match of the round and Whoever loses that match is going to rocket up the odds to become this year's Wooden Spooners. So there's plenty of pressure on both sides to get the win there because you don't want to be losing that match. Um, There's not going to be too many other games they can win. That's one of the only games. So pressure on both of them. And my one to watch actually comes from the NBL. There's only two rounds left in the NBL before playoffs. Perth Wildcats and the Illawarra Hawks go at it on Friday. Both coming in good form and pretty much a must-win game for both those sides. So, good one to watch. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, in the words of Zach Efron, the Perth Wildcats are singing this song. But, uh, boys, Marshall Betch is David Fafita. I think you mean mean get in the game. (laughs) I'm pretty sure part of the lyrics are um, Wildcats singing this song. (laughs) Got to get your your head in the game. (laughs) Anyway, Marshall Betch is... uh, the big bustling day for Fafita to score a try in Mudgee against Manly this week. Of course, he bagged a hat-trick against the Knights on the weekend and made them look like ants. He, he, it looked like he was a 16-year-old playing in an under-8s competition. It was remarkable. Uh, my pressure cooker, Jacko, is actually your NRL tipping because when um, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think we mentioned on, on last... Mate. I think we mentioned in... On jab for jab. I think we mentioned on last week's podcast that you and I were neck and neck. Well, I'm now one point ahead, and I think it's because you tipped the Knights to beat the Titans, correct? Yeah, as a loyal fan, yeah. Yeah. Correct. Well, you got your pants pulled down there, and now I've poked my nose ahead. And ladies and gentlemen, my one to watch is, we've mentioned already, the battle between the fullbacks. Uh, James Tedesco and Ryan Pappenhausen should be a cracker. It will be a cracking matchup. Uh, well, what a podcast it is. A bit of the Friday fun has come early, but for everybody who's stuck around, uh, thank you so much and uh, can't wait to catch you next time. Until then, enjoy the week's sport. Most importantly, keep your eye on the ball because you never know when another crowd catch may just come your way. Bye. Hooroo.